I want to jump straight into it because uh, I've got quite a bit I want to share this morning. I'm going to try and pack it all in if I can. A bit of the scriptures, a bit of where we're going, and then uh, what that means for you. Uh, So last week I shared a message, and uh, this is the title of last week's message. It's called uh, Vision. We're in a vision series at the end of this year, looking into next year, our part in God's story. And I uh, was speaking out of the book of Haggai, which I'm going to continue today. Uh, but I encourage you to grab that message. Uh, you can uh, access it via the live stream feed. You can access it on our app if you listen to audio or any one of those podcast channels. If you're still confused why I'm using those words, then we can put it on a CD for you uh, if you need it. But I can't put it on cassette tape. I'm really sorry. I don't have the facility to do that. This week I'm going to continue speaking about vision. This is going to get a little bit more uh, interesting because we're talking about our response to the process. What is our response to the process of what God is leading us through as a church? And I'm going to speak specifically about what I believe God is doing. And then we're going to decide what we're going to do about it. The thing is that uh, one of the things I alluded to earlier and I'm going to read from the scriptures this morning is that God is shaking things. That's why I use this image of the, what's that called, a seism or something? Seismograph, thank you, earthquake meter thing. Um, because things are shaking. And, you know, I'm, I'm aware of circumstances, and I'm aware of opposition, I'm aware of struggles that people are having, and, and things are shaking. And when things are shaking, it's not comfortable. And I want to talk about that today. You know, there's, there's things going on, and what I want to do is I want to take us above the situation to more of a helicopter perspective, and let's see what God's doing with the big picture. And then I want to actually zone in on something specific that is shaking that we need to deal with and what that means for you. And it's all good. Don't get nervous. Don't leave early. Don't check out. It's all good. This is called the good news for a reason. Did you know that? Do you believe it? Well, tell your face. Oh, that's a bad joke. Sorry. You've got to smile at me because the Bible is full of hope. And we're going to look at the Bible that's full of hope today and then apply it to our lives. We're going to be expectant and hungry. What God is doing is he's shaking things up and it's incredibly uncomfortable when that happens. If you've ever been in an earthquake, in uh, my early career, uh, when I left school, I worked in Wellington and I worked in one of those tall buildings in Wellington. And, and at the time, in the early 90s, there was quite a few earthquakes that came through. Wellington. And I was in a building one day watching the building opposite me sway like this in my window, but I could sense from my internal balance meter that I was also swaying at the same time. So the buildings are going like this. It's really unnerving when you're in that situation, when things are shaking. How many of you have been in an earthquake before? Like a serious earthquake. You know what I'm talking about. Shaking is not comfortable, but what I want to point to in the scriptures today is that God says, I'm doing the shaking. So we can have some confidence in that. Let's look at Haggai. Last week we looked at Haggai chapter 1. Encourage you to pick up what the scriptures are saying to us in Haggai chapter 1. This morning I want to refer to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai is a prophet speaking to the people of God. Last week I spoke about the, the context of that. That there was a season where God is saying, come on, we've got to rebuild the place of worship. And that's why I used the image that I did in the beginning of Haggai 2. God comes and speaks another message through the prophet Haggai. And we're going we're to jump through that right now. So let's look at verse 3. 
So I encourage you to to read this during the week and process what what I'm talking about this morning. Verse 3, does anyone remember this house? God says, the temple of God. In its former splendor, how does it look like now? It must seem like nothing at all. Here's my question that I start when I read this sort of thing. is I'm like, is the church reflecting its glorious birth? Yeah, this is why I stir you. This is why I stir my team. This is why I, I kind of get a little bit behind and I'm pushing because you know, I have a hope that the church that we live in, we are the church, by the way, that we would reflect the glorious birth of the church we read about in the book of Acts. You know, I, last Sunday night we had an encounter night. We um, had a special uh, service that we prepared and we literally experienced the tangible presence of God as the Holy Spirit did his work amongst people. There was an enc- all sorts of encounters going on. There was freedom. There was a couple of healings that I put testimony up on Facebook about this week. There was um, all sorts of things going on as God was working against the dark forces that are opposing what is trying to be um, coming out of, of us as the church. We've always got to think, is my life as the church reflecting my glorious birth, rebirth? That's what God's saying to us through the prophets this morning. It's an interesting question for you to reflect on. And then I love verse 4. God says this, But you, now, it must seem, But now, says the Lord, be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Yeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all your people left in the land. If you look up on the screen, what you'll see, God's saying, Take heart and be of courage. And I, then I thought about the three ways that he encouraged us to be strong. He says, Zerubbabel, in your leadership. He was the governor. He was the one that was like the mayor or the governor of the city. And so what I believe God is saying to us as the people of God, as the church of God, he's saying, be strong in your leadership. I've been um, burdened this year with a sense to, to speak to men, particularly men who are fathers in the home and say, man up. Be a leader in your home. Do not shrink back. Stand for the things that you know are true and lead like a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? puts a fence up to keep the sheep safe, guards against attack. A shepherd also feeds and leads the sheep to the food that he knows is good for them. And he takes care of them, and when they're unsafe or unwell, he tends to the sheep. Man, men, be a man, be a shepherd, be a leader. Take courage, God says. Take heart, for you're called to be strong in your home to be the leader, make decisions, and lead the family in faith. Joshua, or Yeshua, some scriptures refer to, same name in the Hebrew. I looked at this, and I thought, well, we've got to be strong and take take strength in our salvation. One of the things that's shaking and is being attacked at the moment is people's connection with their salvation. Does that mean they're not going to go to heaven? No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is the fullness of salvation. Because Jesus Christ saved you more than to give you a bus ticket to heaven. He saved you to have life in all its fullness, to have access to the love and grace and power of God that you can give that to other people and yet it's being robbed. It's being stolen because we're not taking heart and being strong courage in our salvation. We're going, oh, well, you know, I suppose I could call myself a Christian and that means I might go to church twice a month if I'm, if I'm up for it and, uh, well, you know, at least I get to go to heaven at the end of my life. That is not Christianity the way Jesus hoped it would be. It's not what he gave his life for. So take heart. Be of strong courage in your salvation. And you know who's responsible for that? You are. Not me. 
Don't come to church expecting that I'm going to be the answer to all your problems. If you're saying, oh, I don't get fed when I go on Sunday, then, well, then you're still in baby land because babies need other people to feed them. And that's okay for a season. But when I look around this room, most of you aren't babies in your faith. You've been Christians a long time, some of you longer than me. Take heart and be of strength and courage in your salvation and the working out of your salvation. And finally, God says, be strong, all you people left in the land. What does that mean? Family. There's attack on family. There's attack on unity. There's attack that comes through isolation and division. What does the devil do every time he wants to break down family? Divide and conquer. Why is there such a stress in married life? Just reality, folks. I don't know if you noticed, but I've noticed. Married life is stressful. It's hard work. You've got to keep focused on it because it's, it's prone to breaking. Why is that? Because the devil knows if he can divide a couple that are called to be together in unity and faith, then he's going to break up the family. He's going to destroy them of their strength. It's no different with the church family. Be strong. Take heart. Stand in good stead, God is saying, for the sake of your family. And then I love the second part of this verse. Sounds like me. Now get to work. My team are grinning because they know it's true. I'm like, come on, we're awesome, let's go, we're going to do this. Now hurry up and get to work. That's what God's saying to us. He's saying, take heart, be of strong courage in your leadership as, as, a, as a leader in the home, as a salvation, as a saved representative of Jesus Christ, and as your family, but hurry up and get to work, will you? For I'm with you. I'm with you, says God. And that was what was so encouraging about Deborah's word. God is saying, I will show you that I'm with you, and in my presence I'll remind you of my promises. Oh, there it is there in verse 5. Look at that. God says, my spirit remains among you, just as I promised you when you came out of Egypt, so do not be afraid. That was a specific word for someone this morning. The way that Deborah came and why I was um, really um, keen and eager to let her share her story was because I know when God touches someone like that that causes them to come to the front, nervous as she was to share things, that means that God wants to speak to someone specifically. So if that was you, if you came near that this morning, then God bless you. God has spoken to encourage you. He wants to remind you that his presence is a reminder of the promises. That you're not, you're not in la-la land without promise. You're with God and his promises are unshakable and they will remain. Yesterday, um, I was privileged to lead the marriage ceremony of um, one of Tim and Jackie's um, kids, Rich, and his wife, now wife, Ellie. And one of the things I, delighted, I was delighted to share as part of that wedding ceremony yesterday afternoon was the promise God gives us in Genesis chapter 9 with the rainbow in the sky. And God says, actually, literally, every time I see the rainbow, God says, I remember my promise. And every time you see the rainbow, you should be reminded of God's promise, which can never be taken away. So in the midst of this, God says, search for my presence, because when you Search for my presence, you're reminded of the promise. And then it says this in verse 6. Verse 6, let's read it. For this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. In just a little while, I'll once again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. Oh, God says, you can expect shaking. God says, I'm doing the shaking. God says, it's going to be part of your life to have shaking go on. God says, I'm in control. I have purpose. In the midst of my presence and promise in your life, it's still going to be shaking. What does that mean? Well, when you 
uh, enter into a life of faith, it just doesn't get easy. It's not cruisy. How many can say yes to that? Yeah, that's right. Why? Because God's got a process he's leading us through, and this journey in the process is what he's most uh, focused on. I had to reflect on last week's message uh, from Haggai chapter 1. You can listen to it uh, later, but verse 6, I said, uh, I reminded us that God says, look, you guys planted much but harvested little. You ate but were not satisfied. You drink but still thirsty. You put on clothes. You can't keep warm. Your wages disappear like you got holes in your pockets. And God is saying to us, your priorities are wrong. It then looks like this. These are slides from last week, which you can find on the podcast. Wrong priorities will lead in your life to activity that's not fruitful. It'll lead you to focus on yourself. It'll lead you to put the demand on your needs rather than other people. And you'll get into self-protection mode, self-defending mode, and maintaining what you think you should, which is status quo, which God never called you to. Wrong priorities is like money down the drain. What's my point? When the shaking comes... It's not the priority system. Those wrong priorities are your consequences for your error. It's not God's fault. Don't look at your life and say, oh my goodness, I've never got any money. God, what are you doing to me? He's saying, I'm letting you reap what you sow. I just want to make the distinction here. I don't want you to blame God for what you created. Last week, we talked about a priority system and getting ourselves aligned with God and unity. This week, what I'm talking about is God initiating shaking, which is completely different. Don't confuse the two. Did I make myself clear there? There's two things. On that last week, consequences. This week, God's shaking for God's purpose. Can you see the difference? Nod at me or something. Just tell me you're awake. Okay. All right. Here's the point. You can expect shaking in your life. God does his work through shaking. But there's a reason, and I want us to look at it today. Verse 7 to 9 is just such a beautiful passage of Scripture. God says, I'm going to shake the nations and the treasures of the nations will be brought into this temple. Oh, hallelujah, says the treasurer. I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord. Well, some of us like that. The silver is mine, God says. The gold is mine, says the Lord. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place I will bring peace, says the Lord. Some of you need to take those three verses this week and just read them out loud every day. Whatever's going on in your world, just confess Scripture. Because I can promise you the devil can't argue with Scripture. Just look back to the temptation of Jesus Christ. How did he overcome what was wrestling in his mind and around him? He used Scripture. And when the devil misquoted it, Jesus corrected him. My, what's my point? Use these three verses to help you if you're struggling under the shaking this week. God says, I will fill you with glory. The greater, the latter will be greater than the former. It's a good promise. You can be a little bit excited. God says, yay, go through the shaking. Okay, I'll convince you later. It's all right. <laughs> Let me show you something that I, I, I've, I've shown you this picture before. I've shown my team it all the time because I like to remind us that what we're in is God's purpose. So I'm talking about um, the vision of the church, and I'll, I'll give you some stuff in a minute with regards to that. I'm talking about the journey we're going on, but to go on the journey means we've got to go through a process. And the process is quite simply from point A to point B, we're going from the genesis or the birth of the promise into the manifestation of it. So God says, I will fill this house with my glory, and the, glo the latter glory will be greater than the former. That's awesome. That's the manifestation of it when we get there but we've got a journey towards it. 
and that's called a process. And the process looks like this. It's a tunnel. Um, a friend of mine that taught me this, he calls it the tunnel of transition. He says, the tunnel of transition is when you feel like you're in hell, but you know God is in it because he's leading you somewhere. What's the point? God is taking us through this process in order to get us to the promise, but we've got to realize that something needs to shift in the midst of the journey. When I work with leaders, I, I'm, I'm always happy to declare what God says in their life and call out their gifts and call out their purpose in life. And I'm willing to honor that and esteem it and bless it, but I also know that there's a journey to get there. It's called maturity. It's called sanctification. It's called growing. And that means sometimes it doesn't look great, but we've still got to walk it anyway. So we've got to go through this process. And God says, I'm with you in the process, and I want you to go through it. It's like a, a, a father or a mother discipling children. It's painful for the child, but the parent does it because they know there's good fruit that comes of it. God says you can expect shaking. And in the shaking, God says, I'm doing my work. Is that okay? Can I convince you some more? Is that, would it be good if I convinced you a little bit more? Okay, well, let's use the Bible to do that. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is actually quoting Haggai. So whoever wrote Hebrews, we're not quite sure. There's a bit of an argument about it, but I just use the writer of Hebrews as my reference. This is a really cool passage, um, chapter, eight, uh, chapter 12, verse 18 through to um, the end of chapter 12. I'm not going to read it, but I encourage you to read it. Take note of the scripture. Read it. God is saying, this is not the days of old when you come to me with fear and trembling. This is the days where you come before me in all my glory. And you come to a place that he references here called uh, Mount Zion, the city of living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You're coming to the place where all the angels are worshipping God. You're coming to the place where all the saints that have gone before you are worshipping God. You're coming to the place where the blood of Jesus Christ is crying out for you. It's a cool place to come to. That's why we come into his presence. Because all those things help us. And then we get to verse 26. I just want to zoom in on something. You can study this later. Please do. It's an awesome passage of Scripture. Really encouraging. But verse 26, when God spoke from Mount Sinai, his verse shook the earth, and now he makes another promise. Speech marks, which means God is speaking. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. Once again, God says, I'm going to shake the earth. What does that mean? God is in the business of shaking your world. Once again, I'm going to do my work in your life. Once again, I'm going to bring shaking. Why? Because God sees something in you that's not yet manifest, and he wants to bring it out, and that requires shaking. Okay, I know it's not exciting. I know it's painful, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you in the Scriptures how God says that he's authoring your life, and part of that process is shaking. But look at the Scriptures. Look at the point on the screen. It says God continues to bring... What is he bringing? What is he bringing? Which is you becoming more Christ-like. Okay. Let's look at verse 27. Hopefully we get convinced. This means all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only the unshakable things remain. A more traditional translation says the things of this world will fall away. Why? Because God continues to bring sanctification. So here's the process. God says, I'm going to shake your life so that the things of the earth will fall off you. It's called sanctification. 
as I was thinking about this, I thought of, I don't know if anyone's got one, I could have brought one as an illustration, but have you seen the, the infomercial for the Vibratrain? You know that thing you stand on, it, apparently it shakes you, I don't know what that does, but they say the fat falls off you. I don't know if we've got a testimony in the house. <laughs> Clearly not me, but, um, but the, you know, the shaking, the shaking, the shaking, why? So the things of this earth will fall off. So God says, I'm going to shake your world, and you're like, oh, okay, because he's God, he's allowed to, right? If you let him. I'm going to shake you so that the, the things of the world will pass away. But it also means something else. Look at the next verse. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let's look at it. Once again, God says, I will shake the earth and the heavens also. This means all of creation will be shaken and the things of the earth will fall away so that only the unshakable remains since we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Okay, so God says, I'm coming into your world, and I'm going to shake it, and it's not going to be comfortable, but the reason I'm shaking you is so that the things of this earth can fall away, the, the things of this earth that are not what he wants you to live with can fall off you so that he can give you what you receive as an unshakable kingdom, so the things of heaven that will never pass away, but here's the point, you can't get that while you're still carrying this. So if you're not shaken and you don't get rid of that, you can't have this. It's kind of like the way it works. So do we want to be shaken? Mm, well, you can decide. The second part of verse 28 I love. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping with holy fear and awe. The scripture, um, the translation I was quoting, I was writing my notes. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So what's happening? God comes and shakes your world. And you're like, uh-oh, I'm just, I'm just warning you, I'm reminding you, this is not the consequence of your mistake, that's different. You reap what you sow, God will get you through it. This is God coming and saying, I'm shaking you. And he's going to shake you so that the things of this earth may pass away, get rid of the stuff you don't need that you can't carry, and then he's going to give you an unshakable kingdom, the things of heaven, the things that can't pass away, the things that no one can steal. Why is that? So you can serve God with fear and trembling because he is a holy God. So we can get on with the work God's given us to do. God's shaking is God's purpose, so we're prepared to do the work he's called us to do. Doesn't make it easy, but it's what God needs. For us to be sanctified, God says, I'll bring my shaking. So, not comfortable, I know that. And the reality is, the thing I wanted to zero in on today was there is something specific that I wanted to focus on that's shaking. And I want to lead into why God's doing, why, why God wants to point to it, because it's all about some of the things we want to do next year and what we see for the future. See, somehow, I don't know how it works, like I can't explain the spirit realm, but I know that God is good and the devil's trying to steal what God is bringing into our lives. That's a real simple theology, I know that, but I don't know how the devil knows that stuff. Like, does he listen in? Does he, like, follow on Instagram or something? Like, I, I just don't, I don't, I can't explain it, but what I do know is the good things that God's prepared for us, the devil tries to steal and kill them. Is that simple enough? Do, can I get an agreement with that, right? Okay. So there's something really, really good promised for us, and the opposition and the shaking and all that sort of stuff is about what's happening, but God is preparing us for something amazing. I want to share that with you. But there is something specific that's getting attacked. And it, 
pretty simply just looks like this. Like I said to you before, when the devil wants to break up a house, he goes after mum and dad. Or he tries to isolate the kids, or he brings rebellion into the house, or he brings uh, offense that, or unforgiveness that is unresolved. And what's his purpose? To rob us. That's on the negative side. On the positive side, I believe God is shaking us. I really do believe God is shaking us. Why? So the things of this earth will fall away. So that we as a family can receive those things that cannot be shaken. So that as a family, we can do the work he's called us to do. Does that make sense? And I'm calling it out. Because those things that we bring into the light, we have more chance of dealing with. Because the things we keep in the shadows, the things we hide, the things we won't talk about... That's when the devil has a field day. You know, to use a really, really simple example um, of um, like a sin that um, is something personal that you're struggling with, if you don't share that with someone, if you keep it in the dark, the devil's going to have a field day with you. He's going to mess you up. Because you by yourself, you're weak. Me by myself, I'm weak. Do I think I'm um, not susceptible to this? No way. So what do I do? I have people around me that I open myself up to so that nothing gets kept in the dark. Because if everything's in the light, there's less chance the devil's going to mess me up. So I'm no different to you. So I'm calling it out, I'm bringing it to the light. But I'm also making sure we understand God is doing a good thing here. And I want to I share that with you today. Um... Let's talk about vision, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm zeroing in. Last week, oops, sorry. Last week, um, we talked about building God's house. Please listen to the message if you, didn't, if you weren't here or didn't get it. Um, please listen to the message. We're talking about God's house, and, and I shared one element of our vision. Uh, I said, we're a vision-led church, and there's a massive vision, and there's lots to it. I pointed to a message that you can go and find that's got the completion, the fullness of it. But all today, last week, I zoomed in on one thing. Today, I'm just zooming in on one thing. So... Some people asked last week, oh, is that the only thing this church is focused on? I'm like, no, 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 no. I had 40 minutes to give you one thing. If you've got all day, I can give you half of our vision. If you've got a week, I can give you the whole thing. Today, just one thing. Last week, I talked about you know, this dream I have to build a Bible school building in Indonesia to strengthen the local church. And, and you know, I think we've almost got enough money to buy that land. Hallelujah! Come on, that's awesome! Do we have the money to build the building? No. Well, well, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got deep pockets. Maybe we've got to partner with other people. But the point is, last week I just focused on that for a reason. This week I'm focusing on one area for a reason, okay? And next week there'll be something else. And the week after that there'll be something else. Um, just to help people understand the, the broadness of the vision that we work with here as leaders. So the vision statement for our church is this. It's our vision to reach 1,000 people a week with the message of God's truth. That's a little bit bigger than what we see today. Look around you. Even if every one of you had a friend that was watching on the live stream at home, we're still not reaching 1,000 people a week. So it's an audacious vision. It's a big vision. It's one of those visions that you have to pray, um, Lord, help me, because in my weakness, I can't do this. 
Like, I'm not, I'm not into setting a vision that I know I can achieve in five years by myself, but I'm happy to set a vision that I know we can achieve in five years with God's strength and only by his strength. So, like, put another zero on it. I don't care. It's only going to happen if God does it. Do you do understand what I'm saying? So don't freak out by that. Don't look at that because, you know, numbers are numbers, but this is what God gave us and this is what we believe in. It's what we're pitching towards. What we work towards, what the team works on, and what I want you working on, you'll hear about that in a second. So here's just a one strategy that we've got in our vision. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. My bad. Too many clicks. Here we go. So in the strategy document that we have, as leaders, we have the statement, our strategy is to impact more people with the message of Jesus by expanding our local church gatherings. So this is a high-level strategic document that guides our, our activity. So what does that mean? Well, it could mean lots of things. But what we do believe is that meeting like this once a week for church is not the best plan. If we were a business and we were only open for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, we'd go out of business. We'd have more ways to connect with people. If we only limit ourselves to one site in one town, we're not going to reach our target of 1,000 people. So what does that mean? We need to be multi-site. We need to be multi-city. I listened to a podcast the other day of a leader who was talking about their strategy in, um, in a little, like a country kind of rural area in Colorado, and uh, like 30,000 people in their town, and he says, our goal is to have a home group that meets one home group for every 1,000 people in the town. So for their town, 30, 30 life groups. What does that mean for Tiamudu Kiki? 15 life groups? We don't have that. But it would be a good way to get more people if they were the right kind of life groups. That's why we do the multimedia now, because you know there are some that can't be with us on Sunday, but they dial into the live stream or they catch it on Monday night after work. So they can be part of what's happening. But it's, it's about making it different. It's about how do we gather more people. It's, 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 it's something that's really um, challenging to me because, you know, like I don't want to say, hey, church doesn't work like this, because it does. But I also know, like let's take Starbucks comparison, not a church, obviously. We don't worship Starbucks, certainly not. Um, but, you know, Starbucks' vision was they wanted a coffee shop on every corner. They wanted to be the corner coffee shop, and so they have set about achieving that as the place where people meet, a coffee shop at every corner. And if you've ever been to the US, you can stand in one intersection and you can normally see at least two Starbucks. But for them to achieve that vision, they've got to either buy, build, or rent buildings. Now, if I said we wanted a church on every corner, then I've got to buy, build, or rent buildings. And it's not sustainable. It's not realistic. I don't believe that's the plan. Am I saying that we shouldn't gather together? No, I want to read your story to answer that question. Because I was like, how do I, how do I communicate? How do I communicate my, my dream? And, and, and please don't, don't hear me say that, well, it's all about what Phil wants. No, no, this is, this is me dreaming on how we could achieve what God gave us as leaders. Okay, I'm just, I, dream, I think about 24-7. Okay? So I wrote, I wrote a story, and I hope I can get through it. But I want you to hear it because it describes what it might look like in the future. Okay? 
So let me tell you a story that plays in my mind when I imagine this place we live in the manifestation of God's promise for us as family. So this story, short story, is about a woman, let's call her Karen. And Karen and her children drive up to our church building on a Sunday morning to join us for worship. She's a little nervous because she's never been to church before. Her kids are excited as they drive up because they see their friends in the car park waiting for them. The friendly team who are wearing high-vis vests, they direct Karen to a free car park, which is helpful considering how full the car park is at 10 to 10. As she gets out of her car, she's wrapped up in a hug from one of her new friends. Simona is her neighbor. And Simona has been inviting Karen to her house for coffee and chats for some time now. Several times, Karen and her children have also stayed for dinner. And they've sat and listened to Simona and her husband, Eric, share stories about Jesus from the Bible. Karen has enjoyed these times at the house as they've been low-key and not confrontational at all. While at Simona and Eric's house... Karen has met several other people who have shared their personal life story about how their life was a mess. One spoke about a painful marriage breakup, which meant a lot to Karen as she was also abandoned by her children's father. She cried when she got home that night, but she never told Simona that her heart was aching to find the love they spoke about so easily. Simona gathers Karen from the car and leads her into the main building looks nothing like traditional church buildings that Karen has seen around town. This is large, it's light, and it's full of what Karen can only describe as happy noise. People are laughing together as they gather around a barista who's making them really good coffee. <laughs> I just had to slip that in there. Like, that's definitely Phil Strong, not the Holy Spirit. I'm just le- Confession. People hurry in through the doors and children disappear eagerly to kids' church. Eric offers to take Karen's children, which she's really grateful to allow. The simple offer of help is appreciated when you're feeling totally overwhelmed. Sorry. Not near the end yet. Suddenly music begins and Simona ushers Karen through into the main auditorium. There's several hugs as they find a seat and lots and lots of smiles. People seem so happy. (laughs) Being friendly, Karen thinks. People around her are singing to the music. She sees the words on the screen which helps her to join in as she sings, she begins to feel more peaceful, which she recognizes. Uh, Some around her have their eyes shut and their arms lifted to heaven. Karen sees the joy on their faces, and she desperately wants to feel the same joy. Her heart is aching for love and joy. During the morning, there's prayer and there's scripture reading. At one point, a man asks the the meeting leader if it would be okay to pray for healing as he feels God wants to heal people of sickness. The leader agrees, shouting, God always wants to heal. This man mentions a specific illness, which Karen thinks is really strange, until six people put their hand up 
to indicate they have that specific issue. People quickly gather around the six people and begin to speak out the name of Jesus, declaring healing. Hands are raised as people discover they are healed. And there's loud clapping and cheering, everyone praising the name of Jesus. Karen realizes it's the same Jesus everyone at Simona's house has been speaking about. Karen realizes she doesn't know Jesus. This makes her a little sad. Several people come to the front and share short testimonies from the, from the front of the church, how, how Jesus has changed their lives. The person leading, the man, speaks from the Bible, and he, as he speaks, Karen feels something inside her begin to happen. It's like something inside her that desperately wants to receive what he's talking about. The word this man says feel like they're just for her, and they feel like they're reaching inside her and touching her heart. This is not something Karen has ever experienced before, but as quickly as it begins, it also feels normal. She feels like she's beginning to change on the inside. The music begins again. A group of women on the stage sing a beautiful, soft song. This is where I knew I'd lose it. Karen begins to cry as her heart opens up. And her tears release the pain of her brokenness. Simona puts her arms around Karen. She whispers in her ear, this feeling you have is the same we've all felt. Do you feel like you're suddenly experiencing something you've been longing for all your life? <clears throat> but you didn't know you were missing. Karen nods. She can't speak, but words aren't necessary. Simona prays for Karen. She invites Jesus to show Karen how much he loves her. Karen feels an immediate warmth of love and acceptance. She feels like blankets of shame and loneliness are just falling off her. She feels light. She doesn't feel burdened by the guilt of all her previous mistakes. She feels alive. She no longer is without hope for her future, and suddenly she feels loved. Simona leads Karen in a short prayer and then hugs her for a very long time. Karen continues to cry as if the tears are bringing healing. After the meeting, people gather around to meet Karen and to speak positive words to her. These people are mentioning dreams she used to have as a little girl, and they give her hope again. One older lady speaks about her brokenness and encourages Karen that God wants to use the pain that she experienced to bring healing to others. Karen doesn't really understand, but she nods, and she's excited at the thought that she could help someone else the way these people have helped her. As Karen leaves with Simona, they're heading home to have lunch together. The leader she had seen in the building, the one speaking from the Bible, who runs up to the car and he says, welcome to the family. <clears throat> As Karen gets in the car, she smiles. Yep. This does feel like family. That's the family I dream of. 
It's not about the Sunday meeting. It's about what happened during the week. It's about people like Simona and Eric inviting a woman into their home and just having a meal and talking about Jesus. It's about inviting the neighbors to come to a, a home group where testimony of healing is normal, spoken about as if it's the best prize you could ever get. It's about inviting the community into a safe place that's non-confrontational before they ever step foot in a church. It's a church I dream of, a family I dream of. It's what stirs me. It's what compels me, compels me to keep going in, um, in the midst of the shaking. God is shaking us. And we've got to choose how to respond in the shaking. We can resist it. You know, like those of you that raise kids know, they like to resist things sometimes, but as a parent, you don't give up. You keep doing what you know is right. Well, it's the same with God. He's a parent. He's a loving father, and he's watching us in the shaking, and he's like, this is good for you. So keep, keep on. Keep on holding on to the promise. And I'll go back to Haggai chapter 2, verse 9. The future glory of this place will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace, says God. It's what we hope for, that people would come and find peace. So, so that's, the, that's the vision concept I want to talk about today. Just one. There's many, many others. But just that one, like we could rethink and change how we gather together, that you wouldn't think that church was dependent on Sunday morning. That you would realize that you are the church. That as we expand our focus away from ourselves and to the others around us, as we invite them into our home, not with an agenda to make them say a prayer before 8.30, but just to show them what love looks like, what family looks like. That's church. But not also to neglect, neglect meeting together. Because meeting together is where we find strength, where we find encouragement. It's the fellowship of family that gives us the strength we need for the journey. You know, there's messed up priorities in society at the moment. People value their own personal space more than coming together on a Sunday morning. It's messed up, not biblical. Because God's priority is family. And if you're not here receiving the friendship and fellowship of family, regardless of how you feel, then you're going to continue to feel like that. You're going to think you're your answer to your problems or rest is your answer to your problems instead of God and his family. But don't neglect gathering together, the Bible says. Because God knows it's good for you. Gather together on Sunday. Gather together on Wednesday. I love seeing photos on Facebook of families in our church going to the beach or having a picnic or having a movie night. Why? Because that's church. There might not be a band, but it's church. Family. So these are the things that we're investing in as a church. And, and, and running this vision series is, is ultimately about talking about a vision um, pledge. And if the ushers could, a host team could hand out those cards. This is not the card you're getting, but I wanted to explain something because I know there's a lot of you here that weren't here when I taught this series on finance a couple of years ago. Um, and you can access it. It's on the podcast somewhere. Uh, it's called Unlocked. And we talk about the way of faith. And I just want to explain to you, in our church, we believe there are three types of giving. There's general giving, which some churches call tithes and offerings. 
It's, your, it's the best you've got. It's the first you receive. It's always the first payment you make out of your wages or your, your business. It's, 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 it's what goes into the general fund of the church. It's how we run the church. It's how we turn the lights on. It's how we pay our staff. It's how we invest in our expansion. That's called general giving. And the Bible asks every believer to give that way. We also have missions giving, and we do that separately as a church. We isolate a faith budget this year. Our faith budget was forty grand, $40,000, and we're almost hitting that. But understand this, we only receive that because of your faithfulness. There's people in the church that want to sow into missions, and they do it in partnership with God for the expansion of his kingdom and the gospel around the nations that we work in, and it's all received by faith. We, we, don't, we don't take that out of our general fund. We believe that God's going to speak to his people, and they will give, and that's what's happened this year. It's, like, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I'm just blown away every time how God works. Someone will ring me up and say, look, I've just got this special payment to make. And I'm like, well, don't tell me. Tell Shireen. She's in the office. I don't look at the finances, as in I don't look at names and numbers. I manage what we're doing strategically, but I do not know who gives what in this church. I'm quite happy with it that way. So we have a missions budget. Next year we'll have a missions budget again and I'm just going to get on my knees and pray that God stirs the hearts of people to give into missions for the work we're doing. But thirdly, we have a vision category in our income as a church. And this is how we invest in the future. And this is why these cards are getting handed out. That you would ask God to, to take you to a place of faith where you make a pledge to make a gift to the vision of this church and you ask God to help you fund it. There's a really good book, if you're into books, called The Blessed Life by Robert Morris. He's a pastor in the US. He talks about three types of giving in his book uh, and he's got an amazing testimony. You can buy it at Christian bookstores. You can buy it on Kindle. It's a fantastic book. Three types of giving. General giving, which we give our first and our best to God. Missions giving, where we partner with the expansion of the kingdom. We have local missions, we have global missions. We're trying to change people's hearts and connect them with Jesus. And vision is about expanding who we are and the purposes we carry. And believing for a big number. Um, I said last week, I believe there's four or five families in the church that will give in excess of $10,000. That number might scare you. Don't let it scare you. Ask God. There's going to be a bunch of people that commit to giving $400 a month. That's like 5000 bucks. That's massive out of anyone's wage. Look, I don't take this lightly. And I don't, I don't just say it glibly going, oh, well, suck it up. You'll be fine. No, it hurts to give. It's painful to give. There are weeks you go without by choice. And I can only say that because Kathy and I learned this a long, long time ago. And now it's just our normal. So I'm not underestimating how tough it is. If it is tough for you and you're in a place, like I remember once I gave a faith pledge when we lived in Hamilton to the church and it had, let me just say it had commas in the number, and, and it freaked me out. So I went and sat with a pastor and we, we would sit in a cafe and we'd talk about missions, we'd eat our eggs and we'd just cry. Because we knew that without God it was never going to happen. But we believed God was in it. So don't be isolated. Just be obedient. And trust God. Look, and trust that when it's tough and when you're getting shaken around and you're getting tested, God is with you. His presence reminds you of his promises. You're part of a family. You're not alone. 
Come and find a leader that can sit with you and pray with you. So I ask you to consider those cards. I ask you to pray as a family to involve your kids if necessary. Put it in the, in the little box up here when you've filled it in. If you haven't done it this week and you want to wait a week, pray about it. Bring it in next week. It's okay. I'm going to give the cards out every week because uh, my experience in a conference I went to once is the pastor said, well, you can fill it in today and next week if God tells you the double number, just fill in a, another card and we'll, we'll correct it in the system. But listen to God, that's all I'm asking. God is taking us on a journey as a family and he's changing the way we do life. It's him shaking us that the things of this world would fall away, that the unshakable kingdom would remain, that we would experience a greater glory as we gather together, however we gather. Let me pray. Lord God, I thank you for today and your... I thank you most of all for the scriptures that show us that you're faithful to your promises. You're, you're, you're shaking us, God. We hear that message and we ask for strength to stay steadfast in the shaking. God, we want the things of this earth to fall off, that the unshakable kingdom would remain, that we would serve you with love and awe and wonder at the glory of your name. Lord, I bless this church family, those that are with us, and those who are not with us today, they're away or they're not well or they're traveling, God, would you bless them? Bless them with the love of Jesus Christ that fills them with hope. May we, may we see that picture of a church, family, that represents the glory of its initial birth. Lord, I ask for faithful obedience for those who are going to submit their pledge cards. Give them the faithful obedience to fill it in and hand it in and give them the confident assurance that you are with them in the journey. That while it may be tough, you're with them. And in our weakness, Lord, may we find your strength. Bless each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.